Let me tell you about Mantis X. Mantis X is uh, a way for you to practice your aim and your firing without going to a firing range. If you're trying to keep your your skill up on shooting, uh, but you'd like to keep your ammunition expenses down, Mantis X was used originally by the Marines, and now it's using it's being used widely by the military, uh, and it. You can just sit and dry fire, or you can put ammunition in it. Either way, it's like having uh, it's like having an expert standing next to you. Go, you're pulling to the left. You're pulling to the left. Here's how you correct that. It does it in real time on your phone or on your iPad. It's really amazing. Ninety two percent or ninety four percent of all the shooters that try it improve their skills within twenty minutes. It is truly a game changer for your shot and. For your wallet as well, MantisX.com. Start improving today, MantisX.com. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, We've got quite a program saved for you. We're going to begin in 60 seconds. First, let me tell you about real estate agents I trust. I want to tell you about a woman named Natalie. She and her husband have four children, all of whom they fostered through adoption over the years through various circumstances. In love, they reached out and, and made these children part of their family, all right running two businesses Natalie is also a listener to this uh, program. Hi, Natalie. And she is crushing it now uh, in her business. She, they happen to be a real estate agent uh, family. She's a wonderful real estate agent, but she's not doing that on a lark. She doesn't do anything on a lark. She's the best at really everything she's doing in her life. If you'd like Natalie to represent you, uh, she knows what she's doing, and people like Natalie we have all over the country. So tell us where you're moving to and where you're moving from, and we'll find the right real estate agent for you. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right. I am, I am thrilled to have in the studio with me uh, from Angel Studios, Neil Harmon. Uh, he is, you're the CEO of Angel, are you not? Yes. So, um, Neil and I, we, we've known each other forever because you started something called, um, I keep on saying, Angel. Yeah, Vid, Vid Angel. Um, and that was something that I so wanted to invest in because I so believed in this. But when I was approached, you were just being sued by Disney. And <laughs> I know Disney, they never lose a lawsuit. And uh, <laughs> it was pretty deer in the headlights kind of time. And I remember sitting there thinking, Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. They're going to destroy these people. That's not what happened. Can we hang on before you say I just want you to know as an audience, nobody ever beats Disney. 
nobody ever beats Disney. And Disney was the one who had in its vault and kept uh, The Sound of Freedom in their vault for years. I had seen this movie five years ago, uh, and it was great. And then it was never released, never released. It's because Disney bought it in a deal and just put it in the vault. They had no intention of releasing it. So the the extra sugar on top is that uh, Disney is now looking at the the movies and the top rankings of the movies of the year, and they don't have the sound of freedom. But anyway, tell the story about <laughs> what was happening. Um, so, yeah, the, what you said about Disney, I remember the day that uh, a private investigator brought us the lawsuit. Um, they brought the lawsuit to me, and we were in a hole-in-the-wall office on University Avenue in Provo, and this investigator with a with greasy hair shows up. And when when I got the lawsuit, I thought, oh, we're being sued. But when I saw it was Disney's name on it, I was honestly <laughs> devastated and just kind of just in this state of what is going on? Like, right, because Disney had the um, image of being family friendly. And what what you were trying to do was not take anything from them. People would come to you with their copy of the movie and say, I want these things removed from it. I don't like I don't want to have my, have my kids see sex scenes or I don't want it to have swearing in it. And so all you would do is digitally alter it, but not alter the movie itself. So you'd still walk out with the same DVD yes. and you had to purchase. So you're not stealing from Disney. That's right. That's right. We actually I mean. Our experts proved to Disney that we made them money, but I was so confused when I first got the lawsuit because my my mother, one of the stories she always told us as children to help raise our dreams and, and the, all, mm -hmm. the possibilities of being an American, she'd tell us the story of Roy and Walt Disney. And uh, and so for it to be them, it was, it was devastating. And it also just, to your point, all capital, Gone, right? Oh, Every, we, I mean, there were, everybody was courting us because we were really exciting. We were growing. We were going to do almost ten million dollars that year in in revenue, and so it, we were just being courted by everybody. But mm -hmm. as soon as it was Disney's name that was suing us, everyone's gone. Yeah, and um, um, but they sued us two weeks after we. So we had learned about a law. It's called the Jobs Act, and it was it allowed people, regular people who aren't accredited investors, to invest in startups. Mm -hmm. And we were researching that law, and we asked our our customer base, "Would you guys be interested in investing?" Two weeks later is when that lawsuit showed up. Wow! Um, they wanted to invest to the tune of sixty-two million dollars. That's what our customer base said. The judgment that came out in twenty. 2019 was 62 million dollars unbelievable against us and um so that that's a whole story in of itself but so but wait a minute wait a minute i just want people to understand he didn't you didn't win on disney no we disney, didn't the court hands they down tra says, they, they trashed completely you. trashed us and we learned the same thing as as you that nobody beats disney correct and and, and the attorneys you know there were attorneys in la who just said What's the one rule that mm -hmm. everybody's told when they leave Harvard Law School? 
well, it, and then the, the, the law students would say, oh, it's this, it's that. It's, and then the, 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 the lead professor would say, no, you, you don't F with Disney. Disney. Period. Yeah. That's the only rule you should yeah. have learned here. Right. And so this is the stories that they're telling us. And we're just like, I, you know, we still have, we naively, I, when we got sued, I, I, in my naivete as a, just a kid from Idaho, I thought deep down it was going to work out. <laughs> it was going to work out. So you should call me <laughs> earlier. <laughs> so I thought it was going to work out. Now others around us didn't, and uh, but they kept working. Jeffrey says he didn't ever, but he kept believe he kept working as though it would work out. Um, and so in that state, uh, we did a number of things. So one is is that we asked because nobody else would come to the table. We asked the investors or the the customers if they would invest. We just said, forget the sixty two million. <laughs> We just need five just to survive. Like, if you want us to survive this lawsuit or even have a chance at surviving this lawsuit, we need five million bucks. And, but do not, do not invest in our company unless you're willing to lose the money, please. Right. And we limited the amount people could put in. So, those customers, our audience, ended up investing over 10 million in five days. And you know why that is? Because you were serving an audience no one listened to. No one was listening to. I, every, every family I know has sat on the couch with their kids and tried to find something to watch. And it was inappropriate for one reason or another. And you can't agree on anything. And parents are constantly looking at each other going, is there nothing we can watch together? Is there nothing? And that's happening everywhere. And nobody was listening to them except for you. It was it was clear to us, Glenn, that that that, that was the case. And um, the, another co-founder, Daniel, he called or emailed, I don't remember, um, right after we closed that $10 million round. And he said, guys, what if we applied this crowdfunding model to storytelling? Like, what if the same thing happened? You have a show or a film that you want to produce. Could this happen? Well, within weeks of raising the ten million, sure enough, we got an injunction. Um, it was on December twelfth of two thousand sixteen. We were in the middle of a company party. The next day, December thirteenth. All the families are coming, and we invite the press in to announce we've just been shut down by the L.A. courts. Mm. And uh, we s didn't sleep that night, and we got ready and announced that we were going to start a studio because the studios weren't going to play ball with us. We were just going to tell the stories ourselves. Um, and we announced two things that at that event. One was a stand-up comedy series that's funny for everyone, mm -hmm. Tribe Bar Comedy, mm -hmm. and the second one, was a story of Tim Ballard. Hmm. At the time, it was called The Abolitionists. Mm -hmm. We thought we were going to launch that, and uh, and you know, and but for for a lot of reasons that The Abolitionists didn't yeah. work out. And here we are now, ten years after launching Angel Studios, ten years after Tim started this program, talked to you, met with you. You, you, and this audience raised the funds for Tim Ballard to go do his work. Uh, that film, that story, is coming back to Angel through Disney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, hang on. And, 
Can you tell the part about the judge saying, you know, that you're going to be you 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 have to turn your company over to somebody else? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You you bet. I didn't know how much detail you wanted, so oh, yeah, just yeah, yeah. just. Uh, I could go down a no, deep just, rabbit hole here. Yeah, but. Just keep it, just keep it pithy here. <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, so when we were being sued, the the attorneys started to threaten to come after Jeffrey and me personally, and um, um, the uh, and so we're like, man, we're going to lose everything over this. And and our attorneys, who were very experienced Hollywood mm -hmm. attorneys. Uh, he, the, David Quinto had worked in the industry for 30 years, represented the Oscars, Warner mm. Brothers, um, Disney, mm. and uh, he made an offer to settle. And it was a really good offer. And they just said no. No. They and he said, destroy you. he said, they want, your, they want you dead. They want to make an example out of you. There is no way out of this one. So we, so we were praying and trying to figure out what to do. And um, a guy from Virginia gave us the idea. He said, if you file chapter 11 before the judgment, you're going to buy yourselves enough time. You're going to pull the litigation into, into Utah, and you're going to be able to protect yourselves from a predator. Mm. Um, and so that's what we did. We In fact, we filed... Like days after we met with Dallas and Amanda Jenkins about The Chosen, we told them, we're going to file Chapter 11 bankruptcy. <laughs> if you want to do The Chosen with us, make sure you know that we're filing bankruptcy. <laughs> so That's the company I want to do business with. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but they, they, they decided yeah. to do it with us to their credit. And, um, uh, and, and then as soon as the judgment went down, immediately Disney's going to the bankruptcy court and saying, it's time to shut this company down. It's time to liquidate them, take all their assets. That there's no chance for this mm -hmm. company. Then, the, but they, um, uh, we had previously said we were going to release all the filters to the open source, so anybody could use mm -hmm. them, so families can just solve the problem, even if we get destroyed. Mm -hmm. Disney started crying out to the bankruptcy court. We need a trustee. These guys are irresponsible. This is right before trial. Right. They're irresponsible. They need a trustee. So they asked for a trustee right before trial. Right after trial, they asked for chapter seven. We went into the court and said, look, we'll agree to a trustee on one condition, that Disney agrees that they'll give up the right to change the trustee. We'll both agree on who the trustee is. We don't care who it is. We just want a third party person to come in and 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 do this, and we had prayed about this, and 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 felt really scared that a trustee, you know, we'd lose all the everything. control, and we could lose everything. But we mm -hmm. felt peaceful, and uh, and so we made that change, and the trustee came in, and he looked at Jeffrey and me in the eye, and he said, "I'm meeting with you right now, and I'm going to meet with Disney, and one of you is a bad actor, and when I figure out who that is, I'm going to shove it so far down your throat, you're done." That's what he said to us. And uh, and we're like, well, <laughs> good luck to us. <laughs> and then he tells us later on, he says, if you don't make another million and a half on the chosen, or no, two million dollars on the chosen by the end of this year, I'm gonna. This is gonna go to chapter seven. And uh, so it was during that time we had the we received got the inspiration on pay it forward. We launched the Pay It Forward program, 
And to the day, almost to the dollar, December 31st, we made the exact amount of money that was needed to keep from going to Chapter 7. And then March of the next year, the trustee came to us in our office and he said, I've watched what's going on. I've been trying to get a settlement. I've been trying to resolve this. Uh, they're, being a bad, they're being the bad actors and I'm going to go to the court and ask for a Chapter 11 reorganization where you guys pay off the entire judgment over the next 14 years. So he goes before the court and he says, these guys are growing so fast. If you give them 14 years, they'll be able to pay this all off. Disney must have had a heart attack. Yeah, Disney immediately said to the judge, no, 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 no. We don't, we want yeah. chapter seven. Mm -hmm. And the judge said, wait a second. These guys are offering to pay you off everything. Whenever you win, it's just liquidation. You never get a dollar out of it. If you don't want to be paid back the $62 million, you're not acting in your own economic self-interest. So I don't trust you anymore. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. And now uh, Disney is uh, watching the charts with um, the movie about Operation Underground Railroad that they had and for some reason refused to release. Uh, and now it's with Angel Studios, and you are becoming one of the biggest names in studios uh, around. We're going to continue our conversation here just uh, just a second. Also, uh, Tulsi Gabbard is coming in uh, to talk about what is happening in Maui. And uh, we also have Jason Whitlock joining us in a few minutes uh, to talk about the blind side. First, let me tell you about our sponsor uh, this half hour. Our sponsor is Relief Factor. Let me tell you a little bit about Danny. He wrote uh, recently about his experience with Relief Factor. Danny is a mailman. And uh, while snow, rain, heat, gloom of night might not slow him down, the pain in his joints was definitely slowing him down. And he heard me talking about Relief Factor and decided, I'm going to give it a try. Within a week, he was talking to his chiropractor about it because he couldn't believe the difference that it had made. The chiropractor told him he wasn't surprised. He actually recommends Relief Factor to a lot of his uh, patients. Now Danny can do his job every day and not feel like a car ran over him. Three-week quick start is 1995. It's a trial pack, not a drug, but developed by doctors. Hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor, and about 70% of them go on to order more. ReliefFactor.com. Call 800-4-RELIEF. 800, the number 4-RELIEF. It's ReliefFactor.com. Feel the difference. 10 seconds, station ID. So we are talking to uh, Neil Harmon. Uh, he is the CEO of Angel Studios, and I was lucky enough to get an invite for a, a, a movie that is coming out uh, March. in March. Yes. And it, the music isn't even locked in. I, I, we are sat in the audience with the guy who's writing the music for it. Most of the music was just tracks from other things. And I have to tell you, I, I leaned over to you halfway through the movie, and I said, I think I, I feel like it must have felt when people were watching the first cut of The Godfather. Uh, this movie, um, Cabrini, it's not like The Godfather at all, but it has the same weight to it. It has the same uh, just it, – it, it was a groundbreaking movie. This is a groundbreaking movie, and the story is so good. 
So good. And it's about Mother Cabrina, uh, Cabrini. And if you don't know who she is, you're probably not Catholic. But if you're... Well, even if you are Catholic, you might not know who she is. Yeah. Too many people don't know her name. Yeah. She's the first American saint, in a nutshell, tell, yep. tell us. Yeah. So Cabrini, uh, she uh, came from Italy to help the Italian immigrants in New York City at a time when uh, women did not lead... Anything. Anything. They didn't lead missions. They didn't... Um, they didn't uh, lead hospitals. They didn't do anything except in the Catholic Church. They were they were nuns, and they and they helped orphanages, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so she had this vision to go and help orphans in China. She goes to the Pope. She asks for the Pope permission, and all the Pope's people are just like this lady's super weak. She's got like lung problems. She she. There's no way she can do this, and she's a woman. The Pope doesn't uh, agree. Uh, yeah, doesn't agree. He sends her on a mission, but asks her to go to New York instead of to China, and she goes. And I don't want to reveal the whole the yeah. whole movie, but but this lady had more impact on private hospitals and private schools and organizations and the way they've been run for the last hundred years than anyone that you've ever heard of. She was the inspiration to Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa studied her life, and the man who made this movie invented the car lease. His name is Eustace Wolfington, and super successful entrepreneur, learned about Cabrini in the 50s, and modeled his life and his business after her. When this movie comes out, I'm telling you, it is, well, maybe not because it's Angel Studios, um, but it should win Oscar after Oscar after Oscar. It is so well done. The storytelling. This is everything that you ever wanted to do or anything that I've ever wanted someone to do to take a a Christian film and have it just like a great Batman kind of movie and not feel like a Christian film, but you walk out feeling so good. This is the pinnacle. This is a fantastic movie. It's called Cabrini. You can see the the trailer now on YouTube, and it comes out in March. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Glenn Beck Program. Here's a number that should shock you. Right now, there are over 38,000 U.S. veterans experiencing homelessness. Our heroes, 38,000 that have served in our military, in our never-ending war. 38,000 are homeless right now. This is where the Tunnel to Towers Foundation comes in. They are committed to helping the people who have sacrificed so much for our freedom, for us, for our country. Their homeless veteran program is providing housing assistance and services to vets who meet the program's requirements. Uh, requirements. Last year, they helped out 500 veterans. This year, it's expected to be over 2,000 veterans. That still leaves 36,000 out in the cold. Please donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2T.org. Tunnel to Towers. 38,000 of our brothers and sisters need our help. Tunnel to Towers is there. T2T.org.
You have the biggest savings ever on Blaze TV right now. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code will not be censored and get 30 bucks off. I'm going to go to Jason Whitlock. He is the Blaze TV host of Fearless. Uh, and he's one of the nicest guys and most decent men that I know. Welcome to the program, Jason. How are you? I'm great, Glenn. Thanks for having me. You bet. So I, I all week, uh, we just haven't had time to get into the Michael Orr uh, story about the movie Blindside. And I, I, I wanted to ask you, because I think think you probably know all of the players, maybe even personally, but I wanted to get your uh, take on this because, um, you know, yesterday I saw a tweet that, uh, you know, the Oscars should be given back because it was all a lie. And uh, is it a lie? Was this all a no. lie? No, not at all. And and I can say that having reread the book, The Blind Side, published in 2006, read Michael Orr's memoir, his first one in 2011, uh, I Beat the Odds. Having rewatched the movie, I did all this this week. No, it's, it's not all a lie. Uh, it's actually, the movie is actually pretty accurate uh, to the book and to and and Michael Orr endorsed the book in his 2011 memoir and in subsequent interviews the year since he has said he's like he liked the book but he didn't like the way the movie portrayed him as dumb and as you know not totally responsible for his own success. And so then you go back and reread the book, The Blind Side, which he says he endorses, and and the movie portrays him not only fairly, but yeah. probably in a more far more positive and uplifting light than 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 the book did. This kid came to that family with some severe problems. He couldn't read at age sixteen. And he had to be taught how to shake hands. He didn't engage with people. He had faced so much neglect, trauma, abandonment from ages zero to 15 or 16 that, you know, he was embarrassingly shy and reclusive, couldn't yeah. read. I, I didn't grades. get the... Yeah. I didn't get the impression that he was stupid in the movie. I didn't read the book, but I didn't get the impression he was stupid. I got the impression that he had been neglected and he had never been taught any of these things. And I actually came out of the movie having tremendous respect for him because of what he had conquered. Exactly. And again, one of the subtle points of this remaking, recasting of The Blind Side and the way the media is covering it the underlying message is that, hey, uh, the nuclear family being raised properly, that's all irrelevant. The only thing that's relevant is, uh, you know, did you face racism? And, and it's like family and upbringing, we're pretending like this didn't damage this young man incredibly, and that the... Tui family and many other families at this private school and friends tried to put a broken child back together back and send right. him along his way. And it's, it's all so, being denigrated right now. And 
this rewriting of history that we it's it's just the blind side is just another statue being torn down glenn so before we get to motivation i i the one thing that i heard um that i've heard differently since but i want you to address it um was that the tui family they were using him they didn't they, they never adopted him he thought he was adopted and it was all a lie any of that true jason no. In his 2011 memoir, he writes about the conservatorship, knew that he was not adopted. This is all a rewriting of history. As it relates to their motivation, Sean Tui, the dad, was a all-time great old Miss basketball player. His background is basketball. He was a volunteer assistant coach at the Christian High School that brought uh, Michael Orr in. His original interest in Michael was as a basketball player and was writing letters to small colleges thinking if we could ever get this kid academically straight, he could be a six foot five, 300 pound division three, division two basketball player. And that's how we'll push him along. They discover the football talent after he's moved into their home and and so it, this whole thing, like they knew there was the NFL riches and he was this great prospect. No, he was a six foot five, three hundred and forty five pound kid when they got him, Jeez. and they hoped they could turn him into some Division two, II, Division three basketball player and get him educated that way. It, it, it's 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 a whole recreation of history. It, the, the facts just don't line up with what was written in the 2006 book, what Michael Orr uh, cops to in his own original memoir. It's another rewriting of history. So let me go to motivation. I can see the motivation in the press. They love this kind of story. Here he had some heroes. They were you know, God-centered people uh, showed the truth about families and what happens when there isn't a family. So I can understand that. Um, but Michael to be involved in this, is this, is it true that he was uh, blackmailing the family for a while? I guess that was the right word and saying, look, you're, I'm, I'm going to come out with this unless you pay me. Is that true? That's certainly the allegations that the Tui's lawyers uh, have raised and have, and the Tui's son has stated, I guess we'll have to find out over time. But I, I think as it relates to Michael Orr's motivation, read the book, read his memoir. This is a broken child who has never been put back together. And mm-hmm. he's still a broken person. And so there's reason to have great sympathy. And again, this is where it goes back to the message everybody should be taking from this is just like, hey, man, family and upbringing, those first formative years of a child are so vital, so important. If they're damaged in the womb from not being properly cared for and the mother being a crack addict, and if they're abandoned and neglected as a child, these ramifications will go on for a lifetime. And as best I could tell from his 2011 memoir and from reading The Blind Side, he's never gotten that type of therapy and treatment that he obviously needs. And so I think he's come up on hard times. He's written a new book, uh, when, you're, when Your Back's Against the Wall. It's out right now. I think he's hyping his book. I think he hopes 
that there someone, some Hollywood producer, Netflix, someone will say, hey, let's do a remake of The Blind Side and tell it the proper way and, and make the black kid the hero and the white people evil and let's cut Michael Orr a big check for the new Blind Side. I think that's his angle. Oh, wow. That is tragically sad and it probably will happen. Um, do the, the, the Tui family have, have you had a chance to talk to them or anybody talk to them personally without attorneys and not, not to say hey, what's a real score, but how do they feel? Uh, they have made a public statement. The dad has that they're devastated and, 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 and they should be that this relationship deteriorated years ago and, uh, again, it's not uncommon, Glenn. I, I have not talked to the Tuies. I want to be perfectly clear with that. I have talked to people that say, contend they know the Tuies. But, but, but I'll just talk about myself having been involved with, let's call it, at-risk kids. Took a cousin into my home when I lived in Kansas City for two years to get him up out of a gang lifestyle. After two years, we, we fell out. He went back home to Indianapolis, got in trouble. We are now very close. He now acknowledges, you know, all the things I was trying to teach him when he was younger were legitimate, and he wished he had listened closer then. But, Glenn, and and I know or I can speculate about the amount of charitable work and the people you've tried to help, sometimes they're just ungrateful. And sometimes the, the, the damage that they experience at a young age, is too much to overcome, and they eventually lash out at the very people who have shown them love and have tried to help them uh, because they don't know what to do with their emotions. Michael Orr's mom and dad failed him horribly, and he he the dad is dead, uh, the mom is strung out on drugs, or, or, or has been for many years, maybe... Today, hopefully she's sober, but he, he's lashing out at some people that have a lot of money and, uh, you know, had shown, had showered him with a lot of resources. And, and sometimes I hate to make the analogy, but it's, you, you feed a cat and the cat never leaves your doorstep, no matter or you might set them up in a new home. You might, they may make 30, 40 million dollars in the NFL, but eventually uh, may blow that money and return to you the one the people that previously supplied them resources and ask again. Well, I will tell you, um, you know, I, I learned um, several years back that if you're doing charity to get love back, you know, good <laughs> luck with that. Um, you know, it it can't change you because so many times you will do something, you know, because you just feel it's right. And, uh, you know, the the thing that I I learned, and I say this all the time, I'll I'll do something people say, really, you're you're expecting that to go well? I'm like, no, I feel compelled to do that. Now, that's up to them with what they do with it. Um, But uh, you know, I, I just I don't ever want to close my heart because you will get burned several times. But there is also those who that who occasionally will step up and and something will happen 
and it will be glorious, absolutely glorious. And that's much, that's, that's what we should concentrate on, not necessarily the ones that don't work out. Because also, he's got the rest of his life. I mean, this thing may turn around yet again. Who knows? It certainly could. And, and I do want to back up your hopeful note and just say that I got involved with a Ball State football player. I played football at Ball State. He broke his neck in 2007. kid named Dante Love. It's been one of the greatest experiences of my life. And Dante's probably now 36, 37 years old, uh, married, two kids, great career, very appreciative of all the things that uh, I, I did for him. Uh, he's like an adopted son to me. And so, so a lot of these things work out. And Dante comes from a very, very tough, similar, very similar to Michael Orr's background. We, we, when he was a student at Ball State, we had to do a lot of things. The coaches, coaches' wives, do a lot of things to help him get through school uh, and to, to help him catch up from all the neglect he experienced at 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. This is a great young man. Knows the Bible forward and backwards. I call him for biblical interpretations. I mean, he's just a great young man. Great. And so all the yeah. time, resources, well worth it. And it, was it easy? No. Did we have some bad moments? Yes. Did, did On the other side, is it awesome and is it great? And, and I agree with you. Don't do any of it looking for anything Nothing. other than hopefully you'll get to heaven one day and God will say, hey, I'm well pleased with what you did there. That yeah. will be your only reward. Yeah. Uh, Jason, thank you so much, as always. I uh, just love you, man. Uh, Jason Whitlock, a Blaze TV host of Fearless. If you have not seen Fearless yet, you need to. Uh, Jason is just doing a tremendous, tremendous job and comes at things at a completely different angle that I think you'll really enjoy. Jason Whitlock. Thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate it. All right. My pillow is, uh, having a huge anniversary sale. Um, I, ha- I have a love hate relationship with my bed. I love crawling in it. Uh, I hate getting out of it. Uh, I don't know if you have that same kind of thing. When you have, um, the Giza, the Giza dream sheets, you will hate getting out. I, I am a sheet snob and I happen to be staying at a, a, a nice hotel here in Atlanta. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they would do themselves well by getting some Giza dream sheets. I mean, these are the best, softest, uh, durable sheets I think I've ever had. And I don't care how much thread count you got. I really, I mean, the sheets are really expensive. These aren't, and they're really good. I sleep on them every single night. The Giza Dream Sheets, they're now uh, going for uh, a, a price that is the lowest price ever. Remember, everything that MyPillow makes has a 10-year warranty, a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square to check out the sale on the Giza Dream Sheets. I think they're like, they start at like 29 bucks. Enter the promo code BECK or call 800-966-3117, 800-966-3117. Get the limited-time specials now at MyPillow.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program.
So on my podcast uh, tomorrow, released uh, wherever you get your podcast, and I hope Apple as well. Um, I have Charlie uh, Charlie Duke, uh, who is um, who is going to be remembered as one of the last living members of the uh, the small group of twelve that actually walked on the moon. He has done incredible things. Uh, and I am just I'm, I'm doing this more as a um, a record of history, because I know that once these guys die, you know, we'll start to listen to other people uh, that say we never walked on the moon. And that is a growing number of people. One of the main guys who argues against it is Bart Sebrill. Uh He's the author of a book called Moon Man. And uh, he says the whole thing was shot on a on a soundstage and he can prove it because of the lighting and the no stars and all of that. Things that Charlie Duke um, addresses in our in our um, uh, in our podcast tomorrow. But he's going to be joining me here in just a second. Not Charlie, but the guy who says we never went to the moon. Oh, let's let's listen to his logic and then get the answers from Charlie Duke and you see which one uh, you trust. We'll give that to you coming up in just a second. The author of Moon Man joins me next. I believe there is no moon, and I believe it's all a, the whole moon is a fake, and I have a book coming well, out on that. Will you interview me on that later? Because I, I want oh, to sure sell some will. books, yeah. too. Okay, maybe, we could, maybe we could do that right after uh, <laughs> Bard is on. All right, good. Thanks. The Glenn Beck Program.